0: Because I have a theory, and I'll I'll ask you this, and what your opinion is. I also feel like, you said earlier, you said we use tiredness as like a, it's like a, it's like a status of honor, right? It's like, oh, I work so hard, I'm tired, it's a great thing, like people say. And I feel the same about the word stress. I feel like it's, everyone's just, oh, so stressed, oh, just so stressed. Sometimes I wonder, like, are you really? Uh, You know, um, and maybe it is, maybe everyone is just stressed, but, Do you have kind of a detection for stress?
1: So that exposure to stress, and I'm talking about kind of the Goldilocks exposure, so not too much, not too little, but just the right amount also puts you into a survival mode so that your body is pushing you to survive, which means you're living longer, stronger.
0: if you could reverse your age, age backwards, by 30 years. All right, that's interesting. I'm 39, so that put me at nine years old. So I, I think that's how I feel like inside. So uh, we have an amazing guest today who is a doctor. And uh, one of the taglines I love about her when I was reading about her, she went from prescribing pills to prescribing lifestyle. And as many of you know, if you're watching this podcast, I have a lot of health issues and I've been very public about that. I talk about all the surgeries I've had, all the struggles I've had and talk about that struggles continue even till this day, although they're getting better and better. And one of the things I always say to younger entrepreneurs is, hey, the hustle culture can be deadly. You will pay for it later balance things from the get-go and it's just a balanced life. I know sound like an old man, but today I have someone here who could prove me right. All right. She's going to back me up. Um, she is a doctor. Uh, like we said, she used to prescribe pills and now she doesn't necessarily prescribe pills, but what she has figured out is that our DNA, and we're going to talk about DNA in a little bit of a different way is, um, if we can get in alignment with where we're supposed to be, we can do some amazing things with our life, with our aging process, and just our mental health. And so I am incredibly excited to zap in all the way from London, uh, Dr. Alka Patel. Dr. Alka, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, great to have you zap me in,
0: hello. Uh, yeah, um, so fascinating um, just what you've done. You're, you know, you've know, you made this big shift in your life and I'm kind of curious, because it's you talk about how you went from prescribing pills to um, lifestyle. You're a doctor. And, uh, I, I I know a lot of doctors. Um, I always joke I'm Indian. So half of my family is doctors and doctors are very, like doctors are very stuck on their ways. Like I can't have an argument in my family during Thanksgiving with a doctor about the importance of diet or the importance of stress management. They're all about pack the pills, you know, do this, do that. You made a pretty drastic shift. What happened? What, was there something in your personal life that led to this like massive epiphany of change?
1: Oh, that's a very intuitive question to start with, Anik, because uh, I certainly believe that much of what drives us comes from our own pain. So, yes, there is a bit of a backstory there. And I guess my backstory comes from... um, A little bit of what this show is about in terms of entrepreneurship but the sort of parallel lines to that are that vocational life that professional life so that's where sort of my career was heading you know i was the professional doctor the one who was the exceptional doctor the exceptional mom the exceptional wife really really kind of had it all wanted it all and that level of kind of the strife is it success or is it recognition or is it just the ability to give and care in the world it takes its toll. And for me, that resulted in a huge burnout uh, episode to the point where my kidneys gave up, my liver gave up, I was hospitalized, I was cut open, had surgery, pumped and pumped with drugs um, and had that moment where, you know, does life flash in front of you? I don't think it does, but that sense that this is it. I do not really have the strength or energy to go on anymore. and it's moments like that that really help to kind of shape, we call those sort of um, moments of decision in, in medicine, and I guess it applies, you know, outside of medicine as well, but those are the moments that that take you to making hard decisions, you know, line in the sand kind of decisions, and sometimes they take time, so That made me really think about what does matter in life? You know, what actually is it? Is it the feel of my children's hands on my cheek? Is it the fresh air in my hair? Is it being able to to sleep and wake refreshed, to be energized and all of those things matter? being connected, having a real kind of purpose in life, and I really thought if this is the stuff that matters to me, then I have to make it matter to my patients, because it wasn't mattering to them. Um, I don't know what the setup for sort of um, primary care or being a family doctor is um, where you are, but here in the UK, we have 10-minute consultations, so it's 10 minutes in, out, 10 minutes in, out. Um, I did this um, TEDx talk, uh, and and I put my hand up in there and said, you know, this is like McDonald's style medicine. It's like a drive-through. And what can you do in 10 minutes? Because what we're taught in medical school is learning how to be a drug pusher. And I I don't say that, you know, with any degree of complacency. It it genuinely is. And it comes from this need for a fast fix. So it feels like it's the fastest fix, but ultimately it isn't. It's what slows everything down. Um, And so it took me to sort of realize that. That then led me to say, right, I'm no longer going to be a drug pusher. I'm going to move from prescribing pills to really prescribing what matters. What is health? Health is the way you move, the way you eat, the way you sleep, the way you connect to the way uh, that the way that you are in the world. It's your lifestyle. It's how you style your life. And that's very much become my own driving force now.
0: So a couple of interesting things there. Um, You mentioned burnout, which I definitely, I mean, I made a note. We're going to talk about burnout for sure because I think most of our listeners have experienced it. Your burnout, though, had massive physical manifestation. It was scary. Um, Did you have signs going into it? Typically, we talk about burnout in a very mental thing. People burn out. They kind of just, you know, they feel depressed. They give up. They're they're burned out, right? But yours was like, hey, hospital, surgery, kidneys failing, like... Is there, so if someone's listening right now, and they're feeling a little bit burned out. Is that the direction they're going in? Will your body physically start to show symptoms unless you make some changes? Were there signs that you had that could have avoided the physical collapse?
1: Mm. Great question, because you know what? Most people think that you wake up one day and you have diabetes. You wake up one day and you have Crohn's. Someone puts this label on you and it just happened that day. But it never happened that day. Those telltale signs, those signals, they are calling out to you constantly. But what most people do, and I say this also for entrepreneurs in particular, so perhaps you know, vast number of people that are listening today, is there's a big tendency to be an ostrich. So what I mean by that is the bury your head in the sand. This isn't gonna happen to me. And anyway, I'm far too busy. So I've got other things to do. So health gets kind of dropped off. And what you do is you stop tuning into those signals. So those signals where, oh, I'll just stay awake that little bit longer and get this report done, get this client prospect uh, to report out or a proposal out, or um, I will just, uh, I'll skip skip meals, I'll eat my sandwich whilst I'm on my computer, or, you know, I'll, I'll start running tomorrow. I won't bother going for my morning walk. And, you know, all of these things, all these telltale signs, are there, that incessant clock watching to get more things done, you know, and then sacrificing sleep so that you can get more things done. And it is this busy, busy lifestyle that we all live and that we've all really signed signed up to because that in itself seems to define success. We all want a successful life, but we've got the definitions of that wrong. So when you talk about those signs of burnout, they're physical and they're emotional as well. You know physical exhaustion tiredness we sort of keep wear it as a badge of honor don't we i'm so tired you wake up and go i'm so tired that's a sign that's a signal don't ignore it you know are you wake up with a bit of an aching neck or the shoulder shoulder hurts or you know you're not feeling so great and you, you can't figure it out well go figure it out um i had another little episode during lockdown um Annick, which um related to my shoulder And I'd had some niggles, you know, like we wake up with that slight niggle in the shoulder, ignore, 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 carried on on the computer, you know, all day long. Suddenly my shoulder froze. I was in searing pain. It was a 12 out of 10 on the scale and I've had children. So I know what a 12 out of 10 type of pain uh, really is. Um, But that frozen shoulder didn't just appear that day. I could not lift my arm up. And when you talk about the physical, you know, if you ignore those small whispers, your body's going to give you one hell of a big shout to tell you that something needs to change.
0: That gave me chills because how many people are watching right now? And I feel like so many people listening or watching right now, Dr. Alka, just kind of, they 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 looked away, right? Don't make eye contact with the teacher because it's like the signals, how many of us have those? How many of us have these little things? And um, yeah, you're right. How many times have I ignored it, you know, for the first, for many years, uh, starting my business as an entrepreneur, I would actually go to battle with my body. I was literally in a war. So it was mind over matter. And it was like, no, I will not let you, the body dictate what I can and cannot achieve and do. So we're going to fight. And it's so funny being 39 and a little bit wiser. Now I look back, I'm like, how counterproductive is that? Like, that was just, wow. Right. That was just ridiculous. Um, but I feel like you're right, sacrificing sleep, eating that sandwich at the desk while working, and it's like not taking the time. Um, for me, a big thing that has uh, just forced a change, which I'm so grateful for, was having a baby. So having a baby, she'll be one soon. Um, it was like, whether I want to or not, it was like, well, I desire spending time with her. And thankfully that has just started realigning other behavior uh to make it possible to spend that time and so it's been great. All right, so I want to come back to talking about burnout, to stress and how this connects back to anti-aging and bringing your your um I think you have your biological age versus what do you call it? Like there's there's two types of to ages. Um okay, so chronolo- chronological age. Chronological, yeah. yeah. The chronology of the and your biological age which is your, the clock of your biology. Awesome. So I want to talk about that. But I'm, I'm, a little, uh, I'm a little intrigued by one part. So you've gone against the grain, and you've, as a doctor, said now publicly, and I'm sure you've said it publicly before many times, that the medical community is all about the pills. Um, I'm a production of that. I mean, the me- amount of medication I'm put on, my health insurance spends about three to $400,000 a year on treating me. It's insane. And a lot of the medicines I'm on, I can't go now. A week or two without, like my body, it's I'm addicted to it, literally, and I feel like the minute I show up inside a doctor's office, that's just what I'm going to get. I'm going to get more of that um, until I started seeing more naturopathic doctors, more um, what do they call them? Ah, the word is escaping me. Um, it'll come. Functional lifestyle. Uh, not even functional. 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 There you go. Functional. Yeah, functional doctors that are using more. You know, uh, naturopathic vitamins and just like kind of more peptide type of treatments, and I feel great by the way. It's helped more than anything else. But those doctors are, at least in the U.S. I mean, man, you are—they are shunned and put under a lot of regulations, and people come after them. Are you facing any of that? Like, are you still a practitioner, or do you, do you still have a medical practice, or? Do you deal with a lot of those issues being that you're kind of different and you're not following the model that they shove down doctor's throats?
1: So a couple of things to pick up on. First of all, in no way am I degrading anything that any doctor does. You know, our training is vigorous and our dedication and our devotion is honestly beyond anything. But it's the system why we call it the system. It's the system that we're taught under. And we're only as good as our teacher when you're working within a system. And this is how the healthcare system, you know, in the kind of Western world is designed. It's designed as a sick care system, at which point it steps in and it really takes care of you if you're acutely sick, but it's not anything to do with health. And they're two distinct things. And I think if we really had clarity on that, then lives would be very, very different. Um, and then your question around, am I shunned or is anybody after me? Not yet. <laughs> so um, I'm, still,
0: that <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm very much still a practicing uh, medical doctor. So in the UK, we have a registration, just like you have licensing, uh, with yeah. the general medical council, which I'm fully registered with and maintain everything that is needed to be done from that. But for me, it's about positioning. So my brand as such, my clinic is called lifestyle first. And there's a reason for that. Right. It's because I'm positioning your lifestyle first before anything else. It doesn't mean I can't prescribe pills and I can. And sometimes I do. But it's where does it position? Because in most scenarios, it's take the pill. Oh, and by the way, make sure you exercise as well. For me, it's got to be the other way around. Let's do do that. Let's really zone in on Let's look at your how humans behave. Let's look at what's going to nudge changes in your uh, in your emotion, in your drive, in your motivation, because body and mind are so connected, and you have to look at the synergy between everything. So it's positioning, it's lifestyle first, and then anything else that's needed. And I think the other thing, the other very very important thing for me specifically, and if we bring everything into the current times that we're living, is utilizing data, utilising information, utilising sort of personal information about you, because what I find, of course, is that um, most people get struck with a sort of population level benefit. So here in the UK, we have an organisation called NICE, um, which gives us guidance um, for clinical excellence, but it's all based on what's good for the whole, what's good for the greatest number. Whereas for me, it's me and you in a room, Anik, we're, we're talking. It's you that I'm super interested in.
0: so to to your point, right? Um, now I uh, my life has been saved multiple times by doctors. so I'm always out in the public saying to like, hey, I'm not knocking the doctors. I, I, here's what I've said. the the medical system, as you call it, is so important for acute care uh, because when I'm you know, I've been in the ICU for many months, I got to a point where I needed surgery, these things, you know, I needed acute care and I needed traditionally trained and I needed heavy medication and like that saved my life. However, I just find it absolutely intriguing to me being that I have a digestive condition that when I go see my gastroenterologist uh, who works for a massive university, is a brilliant person, super trained, love him to death. It's not, if he's watching this, I love you. I'm not saying anything bad about you, but I've argued this with him in his face how is it that we sit down and you never ask me about my diet? How is it that you've never asked me what I'm eating? And if I've kept, how is it that you've never asked me to keep a food journal? And the answer from the medical community as a whole has been diet has nothing to do with it. And I'm like, hold on. I have ulcers in my digestive system that hurt. And I have inflammation in my intestines to the degree that we've had to remove portions of it. How could the food I'm putting into that system not make an impact? And what I have found is I got really bad. And again, in 2020, I needed surgery. But in 20, so I had found out I was I went gluten-free, this free, that free a while ago, but I guess it wasn't enough. And lately, what I've discovered over the last few months, so 2020, December, we have another big surgery that led to another whole shindig. It was it was a very difficult process. By mid-2021, I feel better, but to my shame or to my, not shame, to my, to my disappointment, I felt better, but nowhere near better enough. Right. And so I was like, ah, so the root line issue is still there. And that was when I kind of started my own journey. And I was like, all right, I've got to double down on this diet stuff. And what I've discovered lately is that my diet directly impacts and the amount of limitations I have to put on my diet is uncomfortable. It sucks. It makes food not fun, but I directly noticed changing that lifestyle, all of a sudden, all these major issues I'm having in my system, I don't have them. And it's like, gosh, I really wish my doctor could have raised this with me 10, 15 years ago. My life would be so different today.
1: I mean, I think there's some key things that you said there. And one of those is about responsibility. So we had this notion that I can hand over my health to a doctor, he'll fix it and hand it back to me. And my thing to say out loud to everyone listening is, you are responsible. You have responsibility for your health. And the minute you take hold of it, then you have choice. And I think for me, it's very much about I'm here to hand back responsibility for your health to you, because your life means the most to you and the people around you. So take charge of it. And I'm going to guide you in ways that you can do that primarily by the day-to-day stuff that is going on in your life. But also, I mean, to take your, your case in terms of something like Crohn's or gut issues, like I said, we're in this incredible time of technology and testing. We don't have to guess about anything. I don't have to guess what gut bacteria is sitting in your gut. I can test them. I don't have to guess what the, the lining of your gut looks like in terms of uh, how leaky your gut is. We can test all of that now. I don't have to guess anything because the data should drive your decisions. And that's your personal biodata. But again, what have we fallen into is a lot of people doing what their friend's doing. Oh, she's got taking vitamin D and vitamin C and vitamin A and zinc and magnesium, and I'll go grab all of that. And then you wonder why it's not actually making a difference to how you feel, or more importantly than that, to the actual data that measures how well you are and how long you're going to live, which maybe comes back to talking about biological aging, which is what you what you started yeah. with. But I think, you know, let's not live like ostriches. Let's lift our heads out of the sand and use the tech space that we're in this, again, this incredible time that we get to be alive to our advantage.
0: Yeah, and, and I'll I'll just give another example to those who are listening, because these are specific things that are happening in my life over the last one year, and they made such a huge impact. So after my series of surgeries, which took place, that 12, 13 years, 14 years ago, um, I got anemic. I was super anemic. They, no matter what they try to pump me with iron and remain anemic. And they would pump me with so much iron that it would make me sick. And then I'd remain anemic. And that was when I remember I went to a naturopathic doctor like seven, eight years ago and they found out, Hey, you're very, very allergic to gluten and celiac is what i what what they found out now this was a naturopathic doctor this was not a md and the number one symptom of or the number one like way that celiac shows up is unexplainable anemia and i'm sitting there baffled because i'm seeing one of the top hematologists in the world literally credentialed travels half the time you can't make appointments with him because he's speaking in China and in Japan and in all these places. I'm like, how could you not know and suspect this? Um, but even more so in the last one year, um, I went to now I'm really seeing a functional doctor and they did Everything you just mentioned, check my biome. I didn't know you could do that. How come my gastroenterologist in 20 years has never checked my gut biome to see what the bacteria looks like? It was so easy. We checked that, we checked this, we checked this. Next thing they'll know, they're balancing all these different vitamins on me by data. Not because like, oh, well, my mom takes vitamin D, so I'll take it, but like I really needed it. It was low. And the biggest thing they found on me was my hormones were completely whacked out. So they said, we need to balance and do some hormonal therapy and they watch it every month. It's really tight. And the change in my life was just like, I, cause I would never have energy. I'd be dead tired, you know, by 6, 7 PM, I couldn't even move. And now it's like 11 PM and I'm just getting started. Like I'm full of energy. Right. But on top of that, my anemia disappeared. As a matter of fact, one of the strongest things on my blood test now is my, my hemoglobin and my red blood count. Mm-hmm. Go figure.
1: And I think, again, you have to look at how everything connects, because the moment perhaps you started to change what you're eating, then the way that you're sleeping will change. And then the way you sleep will change your mood and the way your mood changes will change your connections and your relationships. And all of this, it's all, again, part of your survival mechanisms. It's all part of your longevity journey is really stop and think about the synergy between
0: what's um what's that happiness hormone called uh, it's like the love hormone they call it like when you have like loving feel Oxytocin. So my doctor was joking with me and they're like, oh, go figure. You have a daughter and you start to feel better because every time you're down, you go give her a hug and it releases all these this this oxytocin in your body. So it it was just fascinating. You're right. Lots of changes. So many things happen in my life. Um, I'm so glad we're talking about it and putting this in front of people. And guys, at the end of our session today, I am going to ask Dr. Alka to kind of point you in the direction of wherever you are as to how you can find someone who can support you through this. Two things. and So first thing we're going to talk about right now is burnout versus stress. Um, I want to hear your your entire thought process on this. I feel like most people that are in this world are dealing with one of the two. I have dealt with it. I would say I'm probably the least stressed in my life right now than I have been ever. And I will tell you, people don't know this and I'm not public about it yet, but I will be in the future. I'm also right dead center in the middle of a tornado. I mean, I'm in some of the most weird times personally, professionally, and yet I'm the least stressed. That's how I got there. I'm not sure if maybe I got a little Buddha growing in me or something, but something's going on. But I'm, I'm, I have been, my whole life I've been stressed and I've experienced burnout many times. I don't know how to explain the difference. And I want you to talk to the listeners right now, walk them through it so they can do a self check. And then then we're going to talk about how to get out of it. And then we're going to talk about the, the the age, which, by the way, when you when you said and I'm really intrigued by this, because when you said you have kids and you know, you're your doctor and all of that, I would have literally thought you're in your low 30s or your mid 30s looking at you on the screen. So you're you're living up to your whole, hey, I'm 30 years younger um, and I'm so I'm really intrigued by it. But can you start us by talking about burnout versus stress a little bit?
1: Yeah. And, you know, we'd start using these terms very interchangeably, don't we? I'm so stressed. I feel really burnt out. But there is a distinction. And one of those distinctions is a physiological distinction. But it's also a a sort of a distinction of, of sense. So stress is very much about over, over involvement, overwhelm, overdoing it, you know, that that kind of that drive, and there's just too much. And burnout is distinctly the opposite. It's withdrawal and wanting to step away and not feeling involved. And so they are very, very distinct. And many people will go through stress, hit that peak of stress, and then move into the burnout zone. And some people won't experience stress, but will experience the burnout. And so there's not a direct linear uh, relationship between the two, but I think it's it's worthy of distinction because physiologically different things are going on um, as well. So when we look at something like burnout, one of the key things that I tell people to look out for in terms of, well, how do I know that I'm getting burnt out? It's thinking about your ABC. So your ABC are three very core components that are important to us in terms of being human. So the A is your autonomy. So when we start to lose our autonomy, this sense of, we talked a little bit about control, someone else making decisions for you, losing that sense of independence or identity, then that's an early sign of, of burnout. You've lost that sense of autonomy. The B is belonging because we are designed to be social species. And so we strive to belong, feel a part of something, even feel a part of something bigger than us, but we need that sense of belonging. So if you're in a, in a team and some of your listeners may be working in corporate roles or the professional roles or in other team roles, and you've got this sense that I don't belong, I'm not part of this, this isn't where I'm meant to be, that's also a burnout signal. And the third is see for competence. So when your competency is challenged because again, we thrive by feeling good about what we do. When we've got capability and we've got capacity and we're feeling competent, that's when we thrive. So if that's challenged, you know, your boss is saying you haven't done this properly or you feel this sense of underperformance, when your ABC is challenged, that is, those those are those very, very early signals, not from a physiological angle, but from a, a kind of an emotional space and a cognitive space Look out for those because that's telling you that burnout is is likely to be on your
0: heels. And so when I listened to this, I heard it from a completely different perspective, which kind of made my brain go a little wow. Which I heard it from a leader's perspective, uh, being someone who leads an entire team. These are three areas where, as a leader, you should be very focused on for your whole team to make sure you're doing everything you can to assist your team to not burn out. So. Are you removing their autonomy? Is everyone in your team feeling, do you feel that they would feel autonomy? Belonging? Do you feel like, is there anyone in your team that's trying to kind of start a retreat and is not joining in on the processes and participating? And then competency, are you berating your team and making them feel incompetent? Um, I mean, imagine if this could get, if this could be a part of our quarterly reviews, right? Where, right, where we're reviewing in a.
1: We talk a lot about workplace well-being now don't we you know we've got to have a workplace well-being agenda and some it becomes a tick box but I love the way that you've reframed that into this is what workplace well-being should be and it starts with that leadership and looking out and then filtering that through I think that's that's a beautiful way to to look at that
0: so you gave us this beautiful formula to kind of detect burnout what about stress I think because I have a theory and I'll, and I'll ask you this and what your opinion is I also feel like you said earlier, you said we use tiredness as like a, it's like a, it's like a status of honor, right? It's like, oh, I work so hard. I'm tired. It's a great thing. Like people say, and I feel the same about the word stress. I feel like it's, everyone's just, oh, so stressed. Oh, just so stressed. Sometimes I wonder like, are you really, uh, you know, um, and maybe it is, maybe everyone is just stressed, but do you have kind of a detection for stress? Um, I want to hear that. Go for it.
1: Yeah. So stress is different because stress really is a, it's a physiological response. So we have our stress nervous system. We have our sympathetic nervous system. And to counter that, we have the parasympathetic nervous system. One is the peaceful nervous system. One is the stress nervous system. And stress kind of gets a bad press. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I'm I'm so stressed and I I shouldn't be. And people, as you say, also wear that as their badge of honor as well. But I think at some point we we have to recognize that stress is something also to be in love with, to actually to, to champion in a very, very specific way. And I'm talking very much more specifically about longevity and how we need to use stress as our advantage rather than something which becomes something that takes advantage of you. Because what we know about stress is a couple of things. One, we know that the acute stress response is a protective mechanism. And your listeners, I'm sure, will have heard on this podcast lots and lots about fight and flight and stress responses. So I'm not going to go uh, go into that. But, you know, it's part of our survival mechanism to have a surge of of cortisol when we need to be making very acute, quick decisions that are imperative for our survival. But um, when that becomes chronic, so when that's relentless, then we lose all barometers, and that's when the damage starts to kick in. And we trigger a whole inflammatory cycle, which then moves us into this lovely word that I love, which is called inflammaging. So, continuous, relentless stress triggers inflammation, which then triggers inflammaging. And before you know it, you're accelerating that aging process. But there's also a stress, which is a very adaptive stress, um, which actually points to, you know, that phrase, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? So that exposure to stress, and I'm talking about kind of the Goldilocks exposure. So not too much, not too little, but just the right amount also puts you into a survival mode so that your body is pushing you to survive, which means you're living longer, stronger. And that's what we want to get into. So, some of your listeners may have heard about things like uh, putting your body under stress through heat therapy and infrared saunas, or putting your body under physiological stress through ice baths and cold water therapy, or in terms of some breath holding practices or intermittent fasting, so that this abundant world of food that we are surrounding ourselves by, well, actually, we flip that and your body is, well, food is not so abundant, so I'm eating within a much shorter window. I need to turn on my longevity genes and my longevity hormones so that I can survive longer through this feast-famine cycle. But this is adaptive stress. We can use stress to our advantage, but it comes back to, again, measuring it. So, um, for example, I'm wearing this ring on my finger which is capturing my bio data. And when you say, how can we measure stress or or what are those signals from it? Well, it's capturing the pauses between my heartbeats. I'm not talking about your pulse rate. I'm talking about that little bit in between your pulse rate. So we call that your heart rate variability It's the pause. And the amount of pause and the variability in your pause points to how much stress you are under and whether that's a helpful stress or not a helpful stress because we need to be adaptive, right? We really don't know all the time what's coming from one moment to the other. So the beauty of being hormone is that we are highly, highly adaptive as a species. So if your heart rate can be really variable in response to everything going around your environment, that's a great sign of stress resilience. Whereas if you don't have that, if you have a heart rate variability that's very low and pretty static, then your adaptive responses are being sort of tuned out. So when you say, well, how can I tell if I'm stressed? I mean, you might not feel stressed, Anik, but how do you know what's actually going on in your tissues, in your cells, in your electrical rhythms? Which is, I mean, I would love, I would love to test your biological age because I think that would you know, give us some great pointers of that correlation between I'm feeling okay
0: yeah, we did. I tested it. It's not good. <laughs> it's, I was, I'm older. I was about uh, this test. We ran it about seven, eight months ago and they wanted to run it again. After I did a lot of my, um, a lot of the therapy in the middle, we had an incident. I had a, you know, I got sick again. So we're a little bit off the game. But if I remember correctly, I was 17, 18 years older than, uh, and so that was a, that was a red alert. You know, there was like, Hey, and I wasn't surprised by it when that happened. So that ring that you're wearing that that's fascinating what ring is that what is it called
1: so uh, there are a couple of brands. This particular brand is the Aura Ring.
0: Aura, okay. Um,
1: and another one that I use for my clients. So for clients that work with me, this is the sort of stuff that I would send to them. It's, you know, part of my, my programs. I'll send you a ring. And the problem with having data, for having information, you can get data from it. It's how do you utilize it? Mm. How do you really understand how to use information to our advantage? So that's what I support people with. Because remember, I'm, I want to hand back health to you and give yeah. you full responsibility and control. But I want you to be armed with your own information that enables you to do that. So um, a biodata ring like this will be capturing things like your heart rate variability, um, sleep, we haven't talked to about at all. But if there is one thing that I would say to everybody is do not sacrifice your sleep. And in yeah. fact, quite the opposite, sleep your way to success, because that genuinely gives you everything that you need. It's not, it's designed by nature. It's on purpose that we're designed to sleep for seven to eight hours. But now we can know not just the hours, but really the quality of the sleep and analyze that to understand what do I need to do differently without guessing? Because you'll hear a lot about, you know, oh, you know, put on blue blocker glasses or change the temperature of your bedrooms or change your pillow or change your mattress on and all this stuff. But how do you know what's relevant to you? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You said there was another ring. Is Aura your favorite one or is there another brand as well that, that you recommend? Uh,
1: there's another one called um, Circular, um, which is this one. Um, so similar. Uh, they've got a few differing features. Uh, I like to kind of wear both uh, just to kind of, again, put one against the other, see what information I can get from each other. So uh, have some fun with them um, as well.
0: That's, that. I mean, I've I've never heard of the Aura ring. Um, fascinating to hear how you explain that it it can tell you if you're stressed or not by tracking the variability of like that. That's just cool. I've never heard that before. Very, very interesting stuff. Um, So let's say someone's coming, their stress levels are high, not the good kind, not the adaptability stress, but you're, you got a patient, you look at their data and you're like, whoa, or they're they're, they're trending towards burnout. What is something they can do to kind of pause right stop that process in the in the process like what do you recommend as a lifestyle not not a pill
1: yeah so um gosh there's so much there because it all it's all sort of very individualized but my kind of approach to lifestyle and you probably have guessed by now i love acronyms and, and the way they kind of sit together so my approach is l-i-f-e-s-t-y-l-e so uh, i can go through a couple of these but l is life's purpose I is identity, F is food, exercise, sleep, etc. T is time out. And so really thinking about, and I've got, An, I've got a bit of a scoring system uh, that I use that pulls together kind of all this research data into, these are the top 10 things in your lifestyle, that if you zone in on those are going to have the biggest impact on your lifespan and your health span. So I score that because then you, we can work on the big rocks. So for example, purpose, and I, you know, if I go back to kind of my conventional medical practice, I used to tell my patients things like, "Ah, oh, you know, go off and uh, exercise for 150 minutes a week, because that's what Public Health England says you need to do. But not once, a bit like your gut doctor not asking you about food, not once did I ask my patients, what's important to you? Why do you get out of bed? And I think, you know, when it comes to purpose. It's this thing we talk a lot about, you know, what's your purpose in life? And we think it's gotta be this big ethereal thing that ends up with our statue in the middle of New York City or Trafalgar Square here in the UK. But it's, it's not that because purpose is again, so important for your survival. And in fact, there's been quite a lot of research which points to it adds seven and a half years to your lifespan. So wow. put that in context, right? Just knowing why you're getting out of bed in the morning. And driving that day with that intention is adding years to your lifespan. And seven and a half years is no small number. So why aren't we all doing that? A lot of conversations I have, Annika, are centered around sort of values and meaning. And once you get to that, then, again, set your day with intention. I have this little technique that I do with some of my clients that I call flavor and savor, which is understand yourself. Discover what your values are, what's important to you, and then just pick one and flavor your day with it. A little bit like seasoning season your day with that particular value. Maybe you value something like um, connection or calmness. And so you wave to a neighbor as you walk down the street or you let a car pass in front of you at the lights instead of revving, revving up or an incident happens at work and you lead with calmness. So when you come back home at night, instead of in the evening, focusing on everything that went wrong and everything that could have should have, it's just sewn in on where did I display calmness and savor it, really savor it. Because I think that's one thing that we don't do. We do do lots in our lives in our 1440 minutes of every day, but we don't savor those moments. So we try and fall asleep thinking about all the all the stuff that didn't go right. And then it's no wonder that we end up not sleeping so well. Whereas fall asleep to those thoughts or journal those thoughts is something very, very powerful about that creativity that goes from mind to arm to finger to pen as well. So you know, And these are the softer things. These are soft skills that we don't directly associate with health, but they're completely linked. You cannot unlink them from your health span, from your lifespan, from your longevity. It's your lifestyle.
0: Basically, what I'm hearing from you is it's, it's, it's going back to doctor terminology, symptom you know, the symptoms of, of a problem, and then you diagnose a problem, but it's here, if you're starting to feel that stress, that unhealthy stress, if you're starting to feel, or if your aura is telling you, hey, there's unhealthy stress here, or if you're starting to feel that lack of autonomy, lack of belonging, lack of competency, which is a sign towards burnout, that's telling you that there's an issue in your current lifestyle there's something going on beyond just the pills there's something going on about maybe the work you're doing the relationship you're in how you're approaching certain things that's that's out of balance and it's contributing to this this stress and this burnout and that's probably your highest level first level symptom like you said diabetes doesn't just show up overnight it's a result of a lifestyle that we live over a long time it's a lot of things we ignore. I just want to go back to your acronym because I didn't capture all of it and then we're gonna move right into the biological age versus chronological. Uh, life is, I think was it was it? I, I got life, life's purpose. I missed I, then F was for food, E was exercise, <laughs> S was Let sleep. Yeah. It.
1: So it is life's purpose. L is life's purpose. I is identity. F is food. E, exercise. S for sleep. T is timeout. Timeout. Y is your connections. L is learning habits. And then E is emotions. And because I lead with lifestyle first, the first thing when it comes to making any lifestyle changes is about commitment that motivation, that drive, that that absolute commitment to taking supreme care of yourself. So that's lifestyle first. If you lead with those elements in your life, you will absolutely live the longest, healthiest life that is in your gift to be able to do.
0: Makes Makes so much sense, right? So it's like when we listen to this and I hear you say it, I'm like, duh right? If we live within purpose, if we feel within identity, we exercise, we sleep well, we eat well, um, we feel connected. It it just makes so much sense, but somehow freaking our life just, you know, we get into the day as soon as we wake up and then we turn around, we look at our phone and it's just like, you lose control. Like, it's like the rest of the day is not in your control anymore. Um, and you come back at the end of the day, you're like, crap, I was supposed to do all these things that Dr. Alco told me i got to focus on and I missed out. So, let's incentivize let's really talk about this biological versus chronological age talk to us about the difference what is it and how does one get younger to extend their life this this is fascinating to me
1: yeah so um i'm glad we're talking about this because you know it sounds as though you've had your biological age testing um question to throw back at you is what have you done with it right because like you say, most of the time we know what we what to do so why don't we do it and the reason biological aging has become so imperative now is that it is, I believe, the single most important number that you can know about yourself. So if there is one piece of data you learn to understand about yourself, I would put biological aging right at the top. Now, these are not, that's not sort of a well, test, right, that you'd okay. get from your ordinary GP. So if I just tell you a little bit maybe about the difference between chronology and biology, um, because most people believe that getting older and aging are exactly the same thing. And that is where we need to start to make those distinctions, like we did with burnout and stress. So getting older is inevitable. There is a chronology to life, that chronological clock will keep ticking. The earth is going to continue to revolve around the sun. That is not in our gift to change. But Your biological clock is the clock in yourself because every cell in your body, every tissue, every organ is also governed by its own internal clock, its own rhythm. And the difference with this clock, your biological clock, is that it's a two-way street. It can go up, it can go down, and it's very, very much dictated by your lifestyle, L-I-F-E-S-T-Y-L-E. And now, which we couldn't do 40, 50, 60 years ago, is so we can measure it. And the minute you've got a measurement, then you can map it. The minute you can test it, you can track it. And that is why that is such an important number because also, and we talked about this right at the beginning, I think, is about some of the emotional sides of, of, of drivers is that age is a very emotional thing as well to talk about. You know, If anyone asks you, hey, how old you are? and perhaps uh, the female listeners will resonate with this a lot as well is most of the time you want to either say oh guess and hoping that someone's going to say how much younger you are than the number of candles on your cake or the number in your passport or you're thinking oh i don't really want to say because age has got a real sensitivity attached to it and that's something again you know we do need to change that stigma and the sensitivity associated with it but when you get that one number Most people that I know, and I hope that means you as well, they will do something about that one number because if it is higher than your chronological age, if it's higher than that number in your passport or the number of candles on your cake, you are like, I want to do something about that. There is no way that I'm accelerating my way um, forward. And so you use that number to give you the nudge. Numbers nudge you into a different direction. How do
0: they, how do they like I always wondered, I never asked the doctor when I got it done, like how are they tracking biological age? What are they looking for? Is that a hormonal thing? Is it different vitamin levels? Like how are they detecting that? For example, in my case, my biological age was more than my chronological age.
1: Yeah, really, really great question. So there are a number of different ways to measure biological age. Um, and there are a number of tests that, that do that. So one particular test looks at what we call telomeres. So telomeres are the little ends of your chromosomes. All of your chromosomes are made up of your DNA, those, those essential um, uh, molecules that really are the genetic imprint of our life. And at the end of those chromosomes, if you think of like the end of a, of a shoelace, it holds your chromosomes together. And as you age, those those telomeres start to fray, they start to shorten and then your DNA unravels and that's the end of your life. So what we're now able to do is measure your telomere length. We're able to measure your telomeres and turn that into a number. So that's one way of doing it. Another is looking at something that we call your epigenetics. So there's again, another myth that many people believe is it's just my genes there's nothing I can do about it. My mum had this, my dad had this, I'm destined to get it, not a lot I can do. But what we know about your genes is that they need to be switched on or switched off. And we can turn on and off our genes because there's a layer above your genes called your epigenes, your epigenome, which really controls what is fired from your genes what proteins you make, what hormones are are activated. And again, it all points back to L-I-F-E-S-T-Y-L-E. Your lifestyle determines what genes you turn on. And turn off and again we can measure that we can measure that as a clock um, and the third test which is one that I use um, a lot um, is looking at the age of your immune cells looking at the inflammatory processes that are going on and the reason I look at this more than the others is because when you get down to the physiology the biology at a cellular level what is happening is everything points to inflammation. If you look back to that root, what is Crohn's all about? For example, for you, it all points to inflammation. You've got to get right to the source of the river and that's exactly where it is. So if you can measure that, and then you can start to track that. And you can change it. So uh, I measure what's called glycans um, in your body. So they're a type of, I guess, sugar molecule that's attached to proteins. And we have sugar molecules attached to proteins in, in, in lots of different um, systems in our body. Um, and one of those is, is measuring your glycans. And the reason I like to measure this is because when we do things in our lives, so when we change things, we want to know how what a difference it's making you know there's no point doing yoga every day but not really seeing the results of those yoga that yoga on a, on a data level or doing breath work every day or sleeping by the clock and not seeing the how your body's responding so this particular test the glycan age test measuring your glycans is very responsive to lifestyle changes so within about three or four months you can retest and make sure you're pointing in the right direction. You know, you don't want your plane to continue to go one degree off uh, without course correcting, because you'll end up where you didn't want to want to end up. So um, I find that a very, very useful um, clock, and it's got a lot of accuracy. So in terms of predictability, you want to use this number. So you said you were 39, did you, 30-something? 30, 30 something? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Okay, so if your biological age comes back as 67, you are going to be saying, Holy moly, I'm doing something about that. Right. But you, whatever you do, you want to see the benefits of that in a very sort of tangible, appropriate time. Now, no one wants to wait five years to see if what you did made a difference. So I think that's really, really key because we're also driven. You talked about oxytocin and the love hormone, but we're really driven by our dopamine, which is our motivational Hormone—it's our motivational one, well, not hormone neurochemical—and so we're living in the society of sort of that fast fix, that instant gratification, which is also why we delay our health interventions because we think, whatever I do now, I don't get that instant gratification. If I don't, you know, pump my biceps and see something overnight, I don't want to keep on keep on going. Um, so this talks to that. This gives you that gratification of what you're doing, and it's pointing you in the right direction quite um, quite quickly. Um, so, yeah, so that's in essence, I guess, in a nutshell, that difference between chronological and biological age and how you can measure it and then what you can do with that with that number.
0: Yeah, and I think it's incredibly important. I bet most people listening to this right now have never heard the concept. I hadn't until I did it. And you're right numbers for me. I'm a very data driven person. So I was talk about I run my business completely off of data. Data is data doesn't have emotions. Data doesn't have feelings. Data is data. So, um, you know, and. And for me, when I when I got the data, I take my blood test and I see certain things. It's like, oh, OK, well, this is low. So let's you know, we got to augment it. This is high. OK. Um, and the, the biological uh, being older than younger, um, you know, not a surprise. I was expecting that. But now goalposts to say, hey, OK, let's go do all of these things. And in my case, you know, when I met with a doctor, um, the functional medicine doctor, he basically looked at me and said, look, uh, the two, like I'm looking at your lifestyle, like what you said, the two that he specifically told me actually said three that were going to make the biggest impact in my life was stress, sleep, eat. And he was like, if we could change what you're eating. Cause you're putting things in your body that we now factually know are creating inflammation, even though I had removed so many things, um, sleep, not sleeping enough. And, um, you know, that's definitely not helping. And then last but not least was obviously stress. Like the, the types of things I'm doing every day and the, the level of stress that's putting on my body. He was like, there's other things too. And I, and, and I remember this and I really appreciated this, a message from the doctor, even though he was, he's like, I can give you all the nutraceutical stuff. I can give you all the vitamins I can give you all the peptides. I can do all of that. It's expensive. Insurance doesn't cover it. You're paying for it. He goes, but I'm telling you right now, it means nothing unless we make an impact in these areas, unless you change your diet, unless you, you know, start exercising unless you sleep better. I'm I've got I'm basically taking a, you know, like a. What, his example was I'm taking a little soaker gun to a yeah. burning house. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. he's like, I, I got a little hose. The whole house is on fire. I got a little hose. I mean, it's not much I can do with it. <laughs> I
1: guess also coming back to the data piece, because I think we, you know, we have to not be afraid of our own numbers. We have to feel this sense that I just want to get to know myself down to the level of my DNA. Like if I don't know how I'm made, how can I even change something that I don't even know exists? And again, now we can do DNA tests. I do this with my clients all the time. But just speaking to your point, I talk about these three S's as well. So uh, stress, sleep and sugar. You know, if we if we all just looked at those three. Um, and again, from a data perspective, so I will put things, that I'll send my clients um, sugar sensors, we can now wear continuous glucose monitors, we can wear sugar sensors, so that again, you're not guessing when you say change my diet, what do you mean change my diet? What is it no carbs forever? Or is it, you know, keto? Is it paleo? All these words that we get banded around. It's none of that. It's what matters for you, right? We can both eat the same potato, me and you, Anik, and we'll have different responses in our physiology. But guess what? Now you can measure it. Now you can map it. Now you can modify it. And you've got, again, if we get into using data, information, gadgets, devices, tools, technology to our advantage, you're in a much better position of choice and control and responsibility. Like I wouldn't want to now modify your sleep without knowing how you're sleeping. I wouldn't want to tell you about what your stress is like, without knowing the pauses between your heart rate, I wouldn't dare to tell you what to eat or not to eat without really knowing what's it doing to your sugar levels, what's it doing to your insulin, how are your cortisol, how's your cortisol responding? Because we are biology. That's what we are.
0: That's so crazy. I've always, so I've I've recently saw this that you can put that sugar. In. How does that work? Is it like because you need to does needs to draw your blood? Does it poke into your oh, skin? Yeah. No problem. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Um. So I recently saw this like glucose monitor or blood mo- uh, or the blood sugar level monitor. I was fascinated. So it's a random question. How does it work? Is it, is there like a little needle in there that you pop into your, your skin and then it's a constantly checking the blood or is it not evasive? I've been wanting to find out about this for a long time. So you brought it up. So I was like, I'll ask here
1: yeah no and you know, i think it's you know one of the the best advancements that we've had um because people who've had diabetes and particularly those who've needed insulin have spent decades and decades of pricking fingers and drawing blood and 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 it's you know been so so hard and now what we have is what we call cgms continuous glucose monitors um and so from the outside um I don't have one here to show you, uh, but from the outside, it looks like a, a button a, a, that sticks onto your skin, but there's a small micro filament that goes just underneath the skin. So it's not a needle. It does need sort of just to be pushed in. You don't feel a single thing. It's not like drawing blood. It's not like having a having a needle, um, but there is. There is a little filament that's going just uh, just underneath your skin and it's picking up. Um, uh, information about about glucose and, and flow
0: is there a good one that you recommend like you did with like the aura ring
1: yeah yeah in fact this is uh this is the box that i use so um i don't know if you can see that freestyle libra um that's uh that one that i that i recommend and it, you know it comes in a little box uh, i can show you a little box like this um and literally you just attach one bit to another and then boom And it's on, takes seconds to put on. Then you've got a great app, but you have got continuous levels of your sugar. And so it just gives you moment to moment information that you can then start to gain some really interesting insights into, not just what did I eat and what happened to my, my sugar levels, but also how did I sleep? What about my exercise? What about my stress? Because it all plays in, all of our hormones are so, so interconnected together. Our hunger hormones, our ghrelin, our leptin, our sex hormones, our insulin, our metabolic hormones, um, all of those are very, very interconnected, cortisol as well. So we've got to look at the interplay of all of it. It's not just about the sugar that I eat. Uh, It's really thinking about everything else that goes with it.
0: Wow. Uh, Dr. Elka, super fascinating stuff and given me a lot to think about and a lot of gadgets to buy like right now, as soon as I get off of this, uh, this recording, Um, people listening right now are having, I I know they're having this. So I have a little experience of this just because I've been into the world for the last year a little bit. But but had I listened to you a year ago without that knowledge? I would be feeling massive overload of just holy smokes. I'm super excited, I wanna do all of this. Where do I go, how do I start? So the first question is, how can people learn more from you? Please tell us where they can follow you, uh, your practice. And then a lot of my listeners are gonna be all over the world. Can they? Do you work with people internationally or do you recommend them find someone locally? Talk a little bit about what people listening can do now, um, that they've heard you and they're inspired, they wanna do it, what next?
1: Oh, I'm so glad you've said it in this way, Anik. because what we what I don't want to do is create a sense of overwhelm or for well-being to be something else that's on your to-do list because yeah. we we can't create that. It's going to create another layer of stress. So this is all about the, the sort of sustainability and creating habits and routines and rhythms that connect directly to you. And it's a really common question is, where do I start? Like with, with all of this, where on earth do I start? And so I alluded to a, a little test uh, that, I, that I do. Um, I've called it the LQ. So like, you know, your IQ to measure your level of cognitive intelligence and your EQ for your level of emotional intelligence, your LQ measures your lifestyle uh, intelligence how smart you are about your lifestyle and it's just a series of questions that uh, point to research behind l-i-f-e-s-t-y-l-e you get a score and from that score you'll know which is your big rock do i start with sleep do I start with food do I start with my connections and my relationships so use that data to know exactly where to start um, and uh, in terms of sort of people being able to connect with me to take that further so uh, the LQ test I can give you a link uh, but if you go to my website dralkapatel.com you can take that uh, that little score and um, and from that you'll get lots and lots of resources after that things like uh, habit trackers and all sorts of things and we can definitely kind and get in touch because I do work Worldwide, All of my tests are available to, to send anywhere. We've got the beauty of, of Zoom and being online um, as well. So um, it's very, very easy uh, to have conversations, consultations, coaching um, online. At the moment, I've got a sugar uh, sugar fix program uh, that's going on. So uh, very happy if anybody wants to connect with me for that. I can send you uh, sensors and it's some an education around sugars and one-on-one um, consultations as well as part of that. So, again, just uh, drop me a message anywhere on my socials it's Dr Alka Patel UK I'm on all the usuals Instagram Facebook LinkedIn Um, and I've also got uh, just like you Annick, I've got a got my own podcast as well Um, and I did very recently do an episode on some of what we've been talking about in terms of hormones and the connections and and stress etc so it's called Health Activators um, if anybody would like to tune into that as well
0: Oh, man. Amazing. I recommend everybody do. Um, I had checked out your website. It's a really, really good resource and it's kind of like a good hub for everything you've got. So everyone, I recommend you dralkapatel.com dralkapatel.com. We'll put it in the show notes. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's in the comments below. Go ahead and check it out. Highly recommend you follow her work and engage with her. And if uh, you have any questions, just reach out to her. Take the LQ test first and like you said, like she said, there's a lot of resources. Um, Dr. Alka, this has been an absolutely fascinating episode. Thank you so much for coming on and for helping people increase their life span and just you know not increasing their lifespan but also in- increasing the amount they enjoy that life while they live it and there's just so many things we should be doing that the medical system does not talk about and um i'm just it took me 39 years to figure out that i need to be doing these things so hopefully whoever's listening it's never too late and if you're younger listen to us older wiser and just put this in part of your life i wish someone told me this and i took it seriously 20 years ago my life would be very drastically different today uh dr Alka, thank you again it's been an honor having you and to the rest of you out there please make sure you subscribe leave a comment below hit the thumbs up icon and all those fun things if you're listening to us on any of the audio podcast platforms make sure you subscribe and it was a great review as well you can find us at on- show.com until next time everybody love you guys see you later bye